Okay, folks, back here with uh, Chief Economist for the state, Ed King. Hello, Ed. Hi, how's it going? They say uh, I have a minor in economics, and they say you'll never find a one-handed economist <laughs> because it's always on the other hand, right? right? Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things that they uh, people don't like about economists. They can't give you a direct answer, right? Right, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You, where'd you go to school? I uh, went to the University of Washington for undergrad and then U- UAF for grad school. So I went to UAA, and I don't know if you know Paul Johnson, you know him? I know. He used to be their econ chair, and he's an economics professor, Australian guy, very libertarian uh-huh. economist. And um, we did a podcast once, but he, um, yeah, he'd, he'd always kind of say, you know, well, it depends. Right. It's like, it depends. <laughs> it's my favorite answer. So you, uh, you're new to this job. You started... In December. This, okay, mm-hmm. so you're... Um, but before that, we were talking, you know, you'd worked for some departments and... Um, the state doing economic mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah, I was petroleum economist at uh, DOR way back, starting in I think, 2012 or Department something. of Revenue. Department of Revenue, yeah. There's the commissioner right there. Look there at he him. is. Oh, hey, <laughs> he was in the hot seat there last week, That's right. two weeks ago. Yeah, so I was, doing, um, I was doing some revenue forecasting back in the day, back in probably 12 and 13, and then I moved up to DNR, Natural Resources. I was a commercial analyst up there for a while and worked on the gas pipeline and doing a lot of stuff on the North Slope oil production, uh, lease, lease stuff. And then uh, I was legislative liaison for DNR and working for under you know, Governor Walker. So I've been, I've been through two administrations, my third administration. Yeah, so to be, I guess I've always kind of was told to be, in, do you have a master's in economics? Or? I do, yeah. To, they said to be an economist, a working, uh-huh. econ- you have to have a master's, right? You can't like, yeah. normally a bachelor's doesn't get you there. Yeah, that's generally true, I think. I mean, I, I know some people that don't have a graduate degree but still have economics per- profession, and, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But um, I think there's a difference, right? If you're if you're working as an economist, it's different than having a degree and you know doing something different. Yeah, when I took economics, I, I probably thought about going back and getting my – I think I need a few classes to make it a, um, a bachelor's. But I love behavioral economics. Mm-hmm. I loved uh, the macro you're kind of a micro guy, though, right? Uh, I'm actually my, my my field of study is actually behavioral economics. That's my favorite. Yeah, um, and then I I've taught micro, macro, and managerial economics for the university. So it's your job now is kind of micro focused, right? Uh, macro focused, yeah, mostly on the on the economy as a whole. Okay, but I mean, right. some of the stuff you do is very like you did that chart recently with the pre- oil production in all the states, sure, yeah. and, and I don't know if, if you haven't you haven't seen it, folks, it's on Twitter. But he took. All the states, Texas, Oklahoma, California, Alaska, it was like other ones too, I think, mm-hmm. right? And then he would do, was it 20 years or yeah, how many a, years was it? Uh, since 1982, I showed, yeah. So, it was long, so basically it shows the production and it's like a moving infographic. Mm-hmm. And it shows, it's interesting because when everybody else is going up, Alaska's going down. Right. And I mean, at the end, Texas and California, like fucking <laughs> straight up. Yeah, North Dakota too. North Dakota, yeah, North yeah. Dakota. Um so let's go back a little bit. You came to Alaska, you said, when you were 18? Yeah, right out of high school. Uh, joined the Army. Went, Just a young man. Yeah, 18 years old. Uh, they, they sent me down to Fort Benning, Georgia to do my 11 Bravo. Uh, it's an infantryman, my uh, basic training. And my first duty station, my only duty station, was Fort Wainwright, Alaska, right at, right out of high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, shit, it's Landed cold. on November 23rd of 1998, and it was it was, was like, not warm. I bet you it was 
Below zero. It was, yeah. And you grew up in Washington? Mm-hmm. I grew up in Washington for the most part. Um, graduated from a little town called Port Orchard, South Kitsap High School. Shout out. Shout out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that was more than 20 years ago, though. So, so you came here for... Um, army but you decided you liked it mm-hmm. i yeah i ended up just falling in love with alaska and very common um, story yeah a lot of people have that i right. had that and i ended up falling in love in alaska and getting married and having a kid and that kept me here and i don't know you had a kid how's your kid um he's 16 almost he'll be 16 in september yeah you look like you're about 25 so <laughs> how old I'm are you not, i'm 39 actually yeah wow you you uh you I, look good buddy right thanks keeping it young yeah you get that a lot I do, yeah. You're like, who's this chief economist man? Mm-hmm. Did he just graduate college? <laughs> I do get that a lot. So you work for um, the is revenue, or do you work for the administrate? Like, who's your who do you work for actually as chief uh, economist for the state? So the governor's office, okay, through, through OMB. So you, you've been in the uh, it's office of management and budget, right? Right. So you've you've been in the um, hot seat more than once in some of these legislative committees. Mm-hmm. Um, did, have you? Because before you were alleged liaison and doing stuff with D- so you've have you testified before i mean is that like your fir- first time doing that or have you done that before uh it's been i guess progressing or i've been doing it more and more every year for the last few years but no uh, it was definitely not my first time testifying did you anticipate uh, some of the kind of more tense moments from some of the legislators on you know questions about the budget and all the i mean that's budget mm-hmm. kind of really, really got people excited for different reasons yeah so did you kind of sense that was going to be coming some of those hard questions or yeah to a certain extent i mean there's no nothing is easy in politics and and there's as many different opinions as there are different people and so um i I don't know that there's anything that's ever easy about anything that happens in this building um that's true so yeah i wasn't too surprised that it was going to be a difficult time for for anybody that's answering questions Uh, but i try to i try to be as helpful as i can and Hopefully I'm, I am. I think, I think, uh, what was one of the things you said? You said, uh, they were asking you what you were, I think you made some kind of joke. You said like, I'm here for your entertainment. You're like, <laughs> I, like really, I'm just here for your entertainment right. or something. And everybody laughed. <laughs> Try to keep it light. It yeah. Pretty funny. So before this, you were actually like, you were, I read your stuff. You were like writing, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. had your own thing or. Yeah. I left a, a Walker administration back right after session or actually before session ended last year, back in about April or so. Um, and and kind of I, I was just getting pulled too far away from economics and getting pulled into things that I wasn't as interested in doing. So I eventually like just policy stuff. Or? Yeah, some policy stuff and some working on on a lot of like appeals and working on some you know more uh, things that weren't directly economics related. And and it just I felt like I was just getting pulled further and further away from the things that I wanted to do. Um, so I, I ended up leaving and going out on my own and opening my own consulting firm. Um, what was it called? King. King Economics. King Econ- yeah. yeah. You should call it Kingonomics. Kingonomics. Yeah. yeah. Like Freakonomics. Right, right. Kingonomics. Yeah, I'll have to keep that in mind. You yeah. got the idea for me. So there you go. <laughs> you can, maybe you can give me like a free ad or something. Right, there you go. Kingonomics website. Maybe. So you yeah, were doing, you were, you were, right, I mean, I remember one of the things you wrote, you wrote a, I think Brad Keith, somebody had shared it, I remember. Mm. Um, and it was kind of just like an expansive kind of summary of things. And like, remember that? It took off. A lot of yeah, people were reading it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was trying to be helpful and, you know, getting doing some earned marketing, if you will, um, providing some 
what I thought was high value content for free just so that it would get circulated. And, um, it did. I know a lot um, about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to do it for free. Right. But it's, <laughs> what, yeah. What happens. Hopefully it turns into something eventually for you, but you're, you're creating a lot of value in that. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do too, is just create value. And, and I'm, but you got to pay the bills. So, so mm-hmm. um, when, when the governor asked me to join his team, I, I was, happy to do it. So he approached you and said, Hey, we need an economist. You want to, you want to come work here? Yeah, pretty much. He, he ran into me at the RDC conference last year. Yeah. I saw you there too. Remember we were talking about the article you wrote. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Cause yeah. somebody, I think it was a Brad Keithley. Somebody had mm. shared it or like taken it. I think they'd asked you if they could use uh, I think somebody. The, the journal did. Was it, yeah. It was somebody. Cause I remember that's where I saw it and I was thinking like, Oh, this is pretty, pretty good read. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Just talking about the permanent fund and the earnings re- accounts, and there was a lot of misinformation that was being thrown mm-hmm. around. So, um, I tried to to provide some some value to the public by pointing out, you know, the the facts of the matter and trying to do it in a way that was ob- as objective as possible. Um, and, and yeah, it, it seemed to get a little bit of traction. Got spread. Yeah, I think the pub- I mean maybe public's more informed now, especially in the last few weeks about talking about this transfer of money from the earnings. Uh, reserve to the to the corpus. So maybe talk a little bit about that. So we have this fund, mm-hmm. and it's invested all over the place, and it's sixty some. How much is it? Sixty five. Sixty five. Yeah. But but only forty six or something, whatever of mm-hmm. that is is in the they call it the corpus, right? So that's the part that can't be like accessed by the legislature right. or by anybody. Yeah. Um, and then there's the earnings reserve, which mm-hmm. has gotten is it big? I mean, it's quite larger than it's been in the past. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, before about 2010, the earnings reserve was just a holding account for next year's dividends. So average was about a billion dollars. Um, and then after after the recession and after you know a lot of that, that time period between like 99 and 02, when when oil prices were really low and the CBR was getting empty, uh, I think people started to realize that that earnings reserve was accessible money. And so the legislature, it seems like at least to me, that they decided that they would. Uh, try to retain that money in that earnings reserve in order to be accessible to the legislature if they ever needed it. Um, so the earnings reserve just kind of grew and grew since about 2010 when the market recovered to now, and it's it's almost $19 billion today. So the Senate yeah. proposed transferring $12 billion mm-hmm. into the corp, and then once that's done, that's it. You can't go back and right. pull it out. Um, but there's been some talk about maybe that's too much. I mean, do you get, does the administration have a position um, on how much that should be? Or do you, I mean, I guess you you probably have an opinion, but you're speaking right. for the administration. So, do they have a, an amount they want to see transferred? Or? I, I have no idea. I haven't had that conversation. I don't know what the position of the administration is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the risk of transferring too much, and this is kind of what I, other folks brought this up. But if you transfer mm-hmm. too much, and then you pay out dividends, and you do a five the POMV stuff, if if the market had a problem, right, there wouldn't be potentially enough in there. This happened before, didn't it? Then they have to sell some assets off. Years during the last kind of big recession. Yeah, the the account got kind of low, and and uh, I I don't know if that's factually correct or not, but I've heard that people have said that where in order to pay the dividend they had to sell some assets, um, which which is always a possibility. Mm-hmm. So, what was I going to ask you? Um, oh, the re- speaking of recession, so um, there's different opinions on this, I guess, and economics, you know, the other hand. But are we still in a recession, or is it? kind of over and we're coming out of it and it's because mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, you know, it was pretty bad when the price of oil shut yeah. down four years ago, four, three, four years ago. Right. Yeah. They definitely, we went into a recession in, uh, 2015, uh, 
clearly all of our macroeconomic indicators suggested that we were in a recession starting in late 2015 um, after, and, and as a direct result of oil prices crashing the year before. Um, so a lot of the service industry and a lot of the oil company uh, and a lot of the, you know, the capital budget dried up. And, and mm-hmm. as a result, you know, a lot of people um, lost their jobs. And we went into a recession by all counts, whether it's so, GDP so how do you, or how do you count? Um, so national level, it's a little easier because you have GDP measurements and mm-hmm. you have, you know, percent of growth for the economy. Right. On a state, is it more difficult on a state level to determine mm-hmm. that because there's many outside factors? I mean, yeah. do you look at unemployment? Do you look at, but you know, capital budgets? Mm-hmm. Do you look at um, housing prices? I mean, what what are the factors to determine recession on a state level? Yeah, I, I personally think you just look at all of the indicators. And when you see all of the indicators moving in the same direction, you know that you have an issue. And in that case, you had everything. Unemployment rate was going up. Your GDP was going down. Your unemployment numbers were going up. Your um, job losses, job numbers were going down. Uh, all of your, your personal income and wages were going down. Everything that would that you would measure as, as an economic indicator was, was negative. And, and we've also had, like, I guess yeah. the last two years, people have left. We've had out migration. Uh, yeah, out migration. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Net losses of people. Right. I think one year it was like was it eight, seven or 8,000 people or something. Or. Mm-hmm. And then last year, I think it might have been less, but still it was yeah. a, a net still, loss. Still losing that battle. And, and that has a lot to do with, with people and their, their opportunities. So the lower 48 has a really strong economy mm-hmm. right now. Um, so it's really hard to attract I, people. I remember in 2016, I ran for the Senate. And one of my areas is uh, South Ang- where my district is, Southport. And there's a road over there. And I'll never forget, I forget the name of the road, but it's kind of a big, big cul-de-sac type curving road. And... Um, I think like maybe a quarter of the house were for sale and everybody, yeah. I, they were all voters and stuff. So at the list right. and they were basically all oil people. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially like it was like almost across the board. It was somebody who worked directly for the oil company or indirectly and they were getting transferred or they were just moving somewhere. That was a really like kind of moment of like where I was like, wow, this is actually pretty right. bad. Yeah. And you you could see it in some places more than others, you know. Fortunately, we had we have a population now that's a lot older and a lot more stable, and so a lot of those job losses ended up turning into retirements rather than unemployed people. So we had some people that that lost their jobs and moved out of the state. We had some people that lost their jobs and retired. We didn't have a lot of people that lost their jobs and turned you know into unemployed and or homeless or something along those lines. So our economy actually feathered or fared fairly well. Yeah, I think a lot of the folks that yeah. were in those higher paying, you know, resource jobs, you know, they can work somewhere else in the country or the world, right, you yeah. know, they can, um, right. other opportunities. So that was, that was the good thing. And we actually got sheltered a little bit. So that's why this recession didn't look quite as bad as like the 1988, 1986, 88 recession. Yeah. I've read, I've read, right. I was a kid then, but I've read mm. so much about that. And yeah. It sounded fucking real bad. <laughs> right. People like, you hear the story. People basically throw on their keys, mm-hmm. tell the bank we're leaving. Yeah. Bye. So we didn't have that, fortunately. And and now we're out of it, right? The recession's over now. So, it's, so now it's mm-hmm. growth is up and unemployment and all that? Yeah. What's, what's the state's unemployment rate? It's about uh, 6.5%, which so, is... So way higher than the na- what's national, like under 4? Like 3.8, but that's not a fair comparison because Alaska just has so many other factors that drive the unemployment number higher. Our, our natural rate of unemployment is higher than in other places just because of our, the way that our workforces are is positioned and so our the lowest unemployment rate the state has ever had was 6.5 percent and so we're there now okay i didn't know okay i didn't know that right so it's it's a little bit i mean i I know people talk about having the highest unemployment rate in the nation but it's so what's the factors like seasonal jobs yeah a lot of seasonal jobs and then we have a lot of people that that work um that don't get paid for their work so like subsistence hunters and and you know people like 
that are doing real work but don't show up in the labor market. Um, and then we have just- Do they a, show up as unemployed? They can, or at the very least, they don't show up as employed. So the unemployed percentage of the workforce is higher than it would be if you counted them. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a natural rate of unemployment that's higher than most places. It's it's actually a lot better if you look at, if you compare like an Anchorage unemployment yeah, number. What's, yeah, what's that? Which know? is a lot lower. It's like five something. So are, this, are you going to be involved in, I know the census is coming up next year. Mm-hmm. So is, I know it's a federal thing, but does the state have any involvement in count, helping count or... I'm sure the state does. I don't. I think the Department of Labor helps them. That influences a lot of, you know, well, redistricting is a big one, I oh, guess. Yeah, but absolutely. there's also, you know, money and different programs. So yeah. I've always kind of wondered that how that works, you know, like, how do you really count everybody, you know? Right. Because, like, you just, you can't get it to it. It's not, people move, mm-hmm. people, there's mm-hmm. somebody staying somewhere, you don't know they're staying there. Yeah. So I always wonder, like, what's the real numbers of the population? Right. It's got to be pretty close i mean you you can tell a lot just from a sample but a census means that you're going and counting every single individual or trying to and if you get 90 percent of them you still have a pretty good idea of what what the real number looks like so you said you did some work on the gas line and i've mm-hmm. talked a lot about that on a lot of my podcasts actually i just did a podcast it's not up yet but i did it with a uh, frank the bank murkowski yesterday nice and uh, he was talking a bit about that when he was governor and it's i mean how long they've been talking about the gas line 40 years yeah absolutely yeah, people were saying, you know, the day after the ga- the oil started flowing, people were talking about uh, building that gas line. That was forty years ago. So I um, I did a podcast with Damian Bilbao. You know him, he's a yeah. PP guy. So yeah. we did a podcast uh, last week, and he said on that, um, "We're the closest we've ever been," and I've, I've, other people have said that too. I mean, is mm-hmm. that that's probably true? I don't I don't know that that's not true. And we're we're really close to getting a permit from the federal government so that's getting there so the, the i mean the, in the end the issue really is just the economics of, it's of what, what, it, what it's worth like what mm-hmm. the gas is and he was damon was explaining to me kind of how it's like oil's a market you know what the price of oil is you right. sell it it's but like he said gas is a whole different kind of mm-hmm. structured deal with like the contracts and yeah. the price and there's different measurements of prices and right but it, it would man could you imagine if if that if we got it going if it actually like the china thing or whatever and the sure. 50 60 billion I mean, like, what what kind of impact would that have? Because I've read stories and there's books and stuff about the 70s yeah. with the pipeline, and it's, like, legendary. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, back then in the, in the 70s, the population of Alaska was, like, 300,000 people. And so you bring in a workforce to build that massive pipeline. And as a percentage of the population, that's a huge impact. Now we have, you know, 730,000 people. And so so the impact wouldn't be like it was in the 70s. But it would still be meaningful. It'd still be. I mean, I think a lot of folks would be oh, yeah. finding work and good paying jobs. And yeah. So how long the construction would be years, right, mm-hmm. to get it? Yeah, probably uh, at least a few years. And then, you know, once it gets up and running, it still requires workers after that as well. But the big boom would be the, the construction boom. Man, could you, I, I, if I could go back in time, I've always told people I'd like to go back to about – Alaska, yeah. 1974. Somebody, mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> Start buying property. Just, uh, just yeah. make money, you know, because right. you hear all the stories of, there's a book, uh, what's it called? Is it, is it Johnny's Johnny's Girl? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean to read it. I think it's that, but it's about, you know, this woman in Fairbanks who dad was, uh, just talked about like how crazy it was with all these people showed up and yeah. like hustlers and car, selling right. cars and drug gambling and like, you know, just like money everywhere. Everywhere there was money. It yeah. was like hard to not make money. Those were the days, I guess. A lot of people squandered it, though, I think. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah so you got to save more. All right. Um, so now there's the 
oil historically has funded 90%, right, of the government, oil revenues. Unrestricted general fund, yeah. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I like how you're, see? Mm-hmm. Economist. <laughs> but now we have this POMV deal, right. percent of market value, where the permanent fund has gotten pretty big, and we've, we take 5.25%, mm-hmm. and then some goes for dividends, some depending on the dividend. Right. So, is oil, I mean, oil is still a big factor, but it's mm-hmm. not 90% anymore, right, of the unrestricted general funds? Yeah, we're not making that kind of money that we did in the past because, well, one, because the, the amount of oil flowing through the pipeline is a lot lower. So no matter what the price is, it's multiplied by a smaller number, so you're not going to make as much money no matter what your tax system is, no matter what your what your dollar per barrel is. So you're, you're not going to make that kind of money anymore. Because even in like 2000, when it went down to 10 bucks a barrel, it was horrible, but, but there was a million barrels a day. Right, yeah. Now, now we're at half we're a million. Half, yeah. So it's it's hard, um, but you know we have we have a lot of uh, opportunities on the North Slope that people are pursuing, and hopefully that helps you know, put some more volume in there. And if we get a high price, and maybe we'll we'll have another opportunity to put some money in the bank. I mean, we saved a ton <laughs> when the price was one hundred and forty. Remember, went to one hundred and forty oh, yeah. for a while. It was hard to spend that much money. I mean, we saved. I think we put about sixteen billion away, and then but most of that's been spent now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, we we made you know, 50 million or $50 billion during that period. And we spent 30 of it and saved 20 or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, we spent more money. We saved more money. We just, we had more money. So. It's incredible to me how, when I, I ran in 2012 and I wasn't the only one saying this, but I was, my whole thing was like, we're spending way too much money. Right. The ba- budget's balancing at a hundred dollar oil. Mm-hmm. And that's very irresponsible because the company, oil companies don't use those numbers right. for forecasting. And, um, I just kept saying, I mean, I actually was, few weeks ago I was looking at a quote in some newspaper I said the chickens are going to come home to roost if we don't deal with this problem mm-hmm. and and nobody gave a shit because it was like hey we have all this money yeah I mean I mean you, you had these votes in the legislature many of them where it was like 20 to 0 40 to like 38 to 0 it was like everybody voted for it right because everybody got what they wanted yeah and you know there was like one year the budget was was like eight billion dollars yep. the capital yeah the capital that was that was the big one yeah that was the capital and uh, operating was like 7.9 billion mm-hmm and uh, now it's what four point something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, UGF's like four point four. So I mean, we have. I mean, some people say we haven't reduced reduced spending. I mean, we have considerably reduced spending from the time when it was seven. A lot of that was capital, though, wasn't it? Yeah. So we don't. We don't. I mean, part of that is because you already bought the thing. You don't need to buy it again. So that's not really cutting the budget as much as it is just not spending money on those projects anymore. I think the operating budget of that year was about five point nine, right? Yeah, or, yeah. right below six. So we've right. That's a, I guess, a billion and a half mm-hmm. that has been reduced. Yeah, and part of that is, you know, you have smaller purses contributions. You have less oil tax credits now, and um, and and the operating budget is smaller. But it's the operating budget grew by a lot more than it shrunk by, and since then. So right? if, if if you go back to, I don't know, mid eighties or nineties, right? Where would the budget? Where could the budget? Where should the budget be based on you know with inflation and all that? Yeah, yeah. From those numbers. Yeah, so we're still a little bit high. Um, we're spo- we we're at like four point four. We should be at about three point nine. So it's about what's uh, if we just adjusted for inflation. Yeah. So it's half half a billion. Something six six hundred million or mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So there's a lot of talk of legislators. Some of them are talking about taxes, income tax, or sales tax, or mm-hmm. payroll tax. Um, because of the low population, if we did an income tax, for example, depending how it was structured. I mean, what's that going to, I mean, I've heard different estimates, 300 million, 600 million. I mean, sure. have you forecast it? Like, have you looked at that or like what, what that would be? Yeah. I mean, it's, 
you have you can design it to do whatever you want it to do and and then there are going to be repercussions right if you tax too much then people are going to you know reevaluate whether whether they're making enough money here to want to stay here and and that's one of the questions and and so either you have to push up your wages in order to compensate for the income tax or you have you're going to lose out because you're not competitive with the lower 48 once you adjust for the cost of living so i mean an income tax isn't you know you can't just tax it at whatever level you want without considering what the impacts are. And they're definitely, well, I think a lot impacts. of people talk about, you know, the big one is California, you know, yeah. my friend moved there recently. He makes good money, but he's like paying the federal tax and then the state tax mm-hmm. and then the local, all the different tax. I mean, he's like, yeah. I mean, he makes a lot of money, but he's paying like half, like right. half his money goes to basically since I worked through May, right. You know, then I start making my, <laughs> my money. Yeah. So then it ends up sounding like you make a lot of money, but you don't actually put very much in your bank account. And, and you have to take that into consideration as, an, as a worker, you know, when you're trying to decide where you want to live. There's a lot of people that live in Alaska that we're, are going to stay here no matter what, because this is what we call home. And, um, you know, there are other people that we're trying to attract here because they have a certain skill set that we can't get elsewhere. And you, you have to pay them enough to want to live here. So what, 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 is, what would the Ed King budget look like? I mean, if you were, could have had a magic wand. Yeah. It'd be some further reductions and... Yeah, definitely. Combination of things. I mean, we still have a lot of money in the bank, right? So we're not... It's not like we're in dire straits, but it is It is a problem that will will come to a, to a head if we don't address it, so... I mean, how much money? Um, there's a constitutional budget rate that was... Yeah, there's like $2 billion. Dollars in there. That was up to mm-hmm. 18 or something, wasn't right. it? Probably 12 or 13, yeah. And, and now there's two, $2 billion in that account. I've had friends in other states I talked to. I grew up in New Mexico, so I've had people... Kind of like I tell them about our problem, and then mm-hmm. they what, what about that sixty billion dollars? Like what's yeah. going on? You know, so right. and then you kind of go into the dividend, and then it's like you can't really explain that to people who don't live here. True, it's hard to like they don't like. Well, what's wrong with like what's wrong with? Because I mean, many people have said if we gave a, I guess a twelve hundred dollar dividend, I guess that would balance the budget mm-hmm. under what the legislature has um, more or less proposed. Right, but then you start to get into like the three thousand, then that's where the deficit becomes pretty high. Yeah, it's, I mean, not really technically a deficit i suppose it's just out of balance yeah um well i mean in the current senate's budget at least with the three thousand would be unfunded by 1.2 right so that's they'd have to use either cbr money i guess or, um, or earnings money because right. cbr is a three-quarters vote it is and the earnings i guess is just a majority vote right. mm-hmm. yeah so there's the money is there if they want to spend it it's just a question of how long can you do that before you do something different and, and the higher that the budget is the less room to run you have so and every every dollar taken out of the permanent fund earnings mm-hmm. that's impacts future earnings right well yeah because you, you, you are you're not you have less money to earn money on right i mean i think an interesting thing i think commissioner tangerman talked about yesterday in a meeting was the money that was vetoed by governor walker and then the smaller dividends the last two years with the legislature, mm-hmm. that money has earned, I think it was, did he say, was it 600 million? Yeah, that's that's what I came up with. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the, so so that money that didn't get paid on dividends has earned an additional 600 million to the fund. Right. Which is, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. It is, yeah. It's, a, the, it's an interest-free loan from the people of Alaska. No, the question so I was going to say, there's the other side right. of people say, well, that's my, that's yeah, my money. Right. Now the question is whether we're going to give it back or not, right? or whether it's become state money that we're going to keep in the account. So it's it's a policy call. You know where the governor stands. Well, yeah, well, yeah. And they went to the you know the courts. I guess there's a courts decided. You know, the legislature kind of has to appropriate it, and right. um, now there's the bills to kind of deal with that. Yeah, I think the Supreme Court ruled on the logistical challenge of of 
getting the money to the people. They didn't necessarily rule on who that money belongs to. That's a big, that's, that's the big question. That's the million dollar, literally million dollar, <laughs> right, yeah. $600 million question here in the building. <laughs> yeah. So do you like, I mean, compared to this, because your last job was legisl- legislative liaison, right? Mm, With the Walker administration? Assistant, yeah. So uh, now your job is, it's different, but is it, I mean, is there any similarity? Like what are the differences, similarities with your current job and the old job? Yeah, I'm doing a lot more economics that I love. And so I'm, I'm happy to do that. Kingonomics. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, that's pretty much, I'm still working with the legislature, of course, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of policy work, which, which I enjoy. Um, but I'm focused on economics now where I was before I was doing a lot more, almost lobbying for, for initiatives by, mm-hmm. the, by the department, which, um, I wasn't quite as interested in doing. You don't give me the lobbyist vibe. Yeah. You give me the economics vibe. Right, right. Good. You're, you're, you're probably the guy, you're one of the guys that I've, I most see in the building. Really? From the administration. That's like, cause you're testifying a lot, but I mean, mm-hmm. I see you like in the. Second floor, third floor, you know, fourth floor, fifth floor. I see all the time on the floor is doing stuff. So yeah. you're, you're kind of one of the visible folks. Right. How's it working with Donna Ardwin? Oh, it's interesting. I'm trying to get her to do a podcast with me, but she so far has not agreed. Yeah. You should, after this one, maybe she'll agree. Oh, maybe. So oh. she's your, she your boss? She is, yeah. She hired me. Did you know her before, like before this? Or? I did not, no. Nope, they just reached out and asked me if I was interested in working with the administration. So I came in and... um you know, talk to him a little bit about w- what the state of the state was and what I could see needed to be done. And they were uh, impressed enough with me, I guess, that they offered me a job. So, so I'm, I'm definitely guilty of uh, poking her and kind of <laughs> makes it kind of easy. But on the other hand, um, I have heard from some people say that having an outside, I mean, is her perspective, I mean, probably greatly different than somebody who lives here, that, you know, who's always been here and kind of in the bubble mate basically mm-hmm. it's definitely a you know fresh eyes so there i mean every every program that that exists exists for a reason and has a history attached to it so um to some extent it might be advantageous for us to have someone from that doesn't carry that that history along with those programs to look at them and decide whether they make sense from a purely you know uh public policy perspective or whether they're um, you know, whether they exist because of, of something that, that happened in the past. And, and I don't think you should look past why things happen, but it's kind of good to get that fresh perspective as well. Well, I think the one thing I've always kind of heard is, you know, when you create a government program, it's very, very, very difficult to stop, end it. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, there's no money that the government spends that doesn't benefit someone. And anytime that you end that benefit, someone is going to be injured, Right. Um, and so it's always hard. It's always much more difficult to say no or to stop something that you're already doing than it is to not do it in the first place. I do think it's good to look at, I mean, there's programs that were started 20, 20, 30 years ago. And you say like, what was the point of it? You know, mm-hmm. and then you kind of say, well, I was, has that been mad? Is that still right. the need there? And um, you're right. Everybody, maybe, maybe if it's even a small group, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty of lobbyists around here. That, yeah. You know, that's yeah. how they make their living. It's true. And, and all of those programs are beneficial to someone. And so I don't think anybody questions whether or not the, the, the government is doing things that are important. I think it's just a question of whether or not we can afford them. So are you living in Juneau now for the session? Or are you mm-hmm. going back to Anchorage? No, or do I, you live, live? I live here. I'm a Juneau white. Are you always Juneau. in Juneau? Or? No, I moved down here three years ago. So you're, you're, a, you're a Southeast guy now. I am. You were in Anchorage before, right? I lived uh, at yeah, Fort Wainwright first. Uh, and I lived up there for almost 10 years in Fairbanks. And then I moved down to Anchorage and lived there for about five years almost and now i'm down here in juno what's so. your favorite place so far oh gosh you know i've i still miss fairbanks to be honest really oh it's so I cold do. i know but 
I don't so know what cool. it is. I, I, that was where I first uh, met Alaska and, and I still miss that a little bit. I don't miss the cold, but I do miss the community. I like it. I really enjoy a summer Fairbanks. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the river at 70 degree, right. 80 degrees sometimes. I like that. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the winter I've, I was in that 40 below a couple times. And yeah. That was not for me. Right. But Juno's starting to feel like home now, and it reminds me of of Seattle to an extent. You know, we're right on the water with the mm-hmm. mountains in the background, and it rains. And yeah, it Juno, feels a little like Seattle. Juno definitely has a Seattle vibe, much or more like, than Anchorage. Yeah, 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 not downtown Seattle, but yeah, I grew up in a small town right across the water, and it feels a little bit like home. So you've been here since you've been here in Alaska almost lo- longer than you were in Washington, yeah, right? Ninety yeah. eight. Yeah, that's right. Just to, yeah. So I, I moved here in 04 when I was nineteen. So I've been here, let's see, there'll be 15, coming on 15 years. So I got a few more years until I'm longer in Alaska there than New Mexico. Right. Well, well, and I want to think, and we're getting over there, and I got a, mm-hmm. a lot of anal- analyzing to do, but um, <laughs> kingonomics. But right. I want to thank you for doing this, and it's been a good discussion. Um, we're coming to the, could be the end. Next week. No one knows. It's no one, there's like a pool going around, I think. Like a, like I, think a, I need to do some squares or something right, or right. some. Exact exact time, you know, mm-hmm. when they're going to gavel out. So, uh, well, anyways, thank you for uh, doing this and keep uh, keep up the kingonomics. We'll yeah. we'll do another one of these. All right, thanks. All right, thanks, and folks. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, uh, get a hold of me. We'll talk to you next time. Let's